0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Paschery. Very quick, very brief, very rare, I think the first time ever, pre-show announcement. Something I forgot to mention at the top of the show, and I should have. Uh, co-host Aaron Lloyd did a really great interview with TJ Perkins. Uh, I wanted to, to just make mention of that right at the top. I haven't really finished editing yet, but I assume it will be taking place somewhere between like 28 and 30 minutes if you just want to listen to the interview. Obviously, we'd prefer you listen to the whole show, Uh, but the interview is really excellent. I think you will really enjoy it if you like TJP, if you like the Cruiserweights, if you like WWE, if you like wrestling in general. Uh, So I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy the interview, and I guess we'll get it started. And welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery, and with me this week are my good friends. A full compliment, a full roster tonight, my good friend Ect2Fly Eric Trembicki. Welcome back. Hello. How are you feeling this week? Feeling good, feeling great. How are you? Good. I'm great. Uh, we have Prep Degan Jr., Josh Prep Igina. Prep, welcome back to you as well. How are you feeling this week? Way better than last time. Good. Y- you look better than last time. Thank cool. <laughs> you. And last but not least, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Uh, WrestleMania, one week from Sunday. Before we get into the show, please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a five star rating and review if you have not already um before we get into there's not much i want to talk about this week i'll just get that out of the way right away before we get into what happened on smackdown this week though ek and prep you guys weren't here when alo and i had a a pretty in-depth conversation on kofi kingston and his whole story i'm really curious how you guys feel about the way they built things up until this week like what, what are your feelings on on kofi and ek i'll start with you Well, I, have always been a fan of Kofi Kingston. I like, I
1: enjoyed his work from right when I got back into the product about eight years ago. Um, not to sound like a orange screen McMahon, but Mm. when I first started watching it, I, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, I was, you know, this is a, a perfect mid card wrestler when he was, you know, singles competitor, when he had the tag team with Evan Bourne, um, great hand in the ring, uh, a great moment in the Royal Rumble and battle Royals for years to come. Uh, when they put the new day together, uh, Ron and I, the, the first time we ever hung out Royal Rumble 2015, <laughs> we're chanting racist a-holes to the crowd. First chant we, I
0: ever started at a, uh, at a wrestling event. Of course, um, that would be the chant. I would, my first chant. <laughs> it,
1: it was, it was good and memorable. They have put on classic tag team matches. They, are you know one of a kind they're going to go to you know not to go mainly towards the new day but they're going to go down as all-time great tag team and Kofi's there for that um i i'm very excited by this you know it's easy to compare this to Daniel Bryan's uh story 5 years ago but completely different i'm a fan of Kofi Kingston and i was a fan going into it like i said i didn't really get on the Daniel Bryan bandwagon until he came back from his injury. So this is something that's that's hitting home. I'm enjoying it. This is a huge moment and I'm just I'm along for the ride. Uh <laughs> it, it's great how this happened organically and you know you guys chimed in on that. You know, he wasn't this wasn't something that around the Royal Rumble you're, oh okay, maybe the guy in the Royal Rumble, maybe Kofi in the Royal Rumble, maybe he can win it. Maybe this is going to be his year. He's going to go to WrestleMania. That wasn't even in the thought. It really wasn't even what you were thinking around Elimination Chamber. But here we are.
0: Yeah, <laughs> things can change quick. <laughs> they don't always, but they can. Uh, and prep. How have you felt about the way they built things up to up until this past up until Tuesday?
2: This is my mania program. This is really the only thing I'm looking forward to on the show last week I went like they went a little hard and maybe dragged it out a little longer than it needed to be drug out. But I mean I guess they made up for it. You know, is what's what's important is that he gets the match. That's all that matters to me. I think like X said, the fact that it was built so organically, the fact that he wasn't even supposed to be there is So good. So, I'm in on the story. Like I said, the match is here, or, you know, in the next week or whatever, so. (laughs) A week from Sunday. Yeah, we still, they still have time
0: to mess it up, but they better not. Now, when you say they dragged it out a little long, do you mean, like, because it should have been official last week and they gave us the other week, like, or do you mean, like, the gauntlet match was longer than it needed to be, you think it should have been booked two weeks prior, what exactly, how exactly do you feel like it dragged a little long?
2: Even the gauntlet match wasn't necessary last week, but it it's fine. What's important is that it's here, but if it was booked two weeks ago, I would have been fine with that.
0: Right. Um, so now we can get into what happened on Tuesday. Obviously, everyone knows by now Kofi won the gauntlet match last week, Vince... Still didn't give him the match because he threw Daniel Bryan in at the end who defeated him, and we had some stuff going on with the New Day during the week that they talked about maybe walking away, that they felt they weren't appreciated, and people like them would never get to where they're trying to go, and they need to decide if they want to stick around. And Vince put Xavier and Big E in a tag team gauntlet match with Kofi Kingston's WrestleMania match on the line. I, I See, I kind of agree with Prep. I kind of alluded to this last week that I was like, did they need to do all this? Did they need to make us wait another week? Aren't we already where we need to be in support of Kofi? Do we need more? But this I actually liked because we've seen the New Day together for so long at this point. These three guys are so kind of like just a group. We all associate the three of them together. They've done interviews together, they've hosted WrestleMania together, they've had unbelievable tag matches together, and I love that Kofi's like reward of wrestling for a championship at WrestleMania, like that they all had to do their part to get him there. Like we talk about it a lot. Xavier said one of his reasons for starting the new day was to get this for Kofi, and like they actually played that out on screen. Like we all had to play our part to get them there, to get him there, and I really enjoyed uh, that aspect of it. I, I, th- and I thought the the tag gauntlet match was was fun, uh, and there were a lot of little things I liked. But I, I won't go too long. Alo, how did you think about the way Tuesday played out for Kofi?
3: Yeah, me personally, I enjoyed it because I mean, you did talk about. Did they prolong it? Did they make it too long, and you said you thought they did. I said I was fine with it, but this was perfect to what you said that the new day. They've been, they're known as a unit, and they've been a part of this story too at the, to at at the same time. They're they're like they're out there speaking with Kofi. They're out there picking Kofi up after the match is over, and. Now they kinda had to do like, you know, do their part. Like their reactions to Kofi, the way Kofi's been getting treated has been like noteworthy on this show. So now the fact that he actually had a chance to play a role in Kofi getting his opportunity, I th- I thought was a was like a nice way to do it and actually a big deal.
0: Yeah. So like one of the things I really liked, I, I A little bit of it was similar last week with everybody gathering around the TV. I thought having Becky there is, like, a good touch because, obviously, she can relate. Having, like, her match taken away for WrestleMania and feeling like they tried to replace her. She could probably sympathize with Kofi a little bit. I thought the Usos forfeiting was maybe my favorite single moment of the entire. I actually, like, it made me feel my feelings when that happened.
3: Yeah. Because Because, uh, like...
0: It it was, like, re- and another thing that's, like, real life. One, it was good long-term storytelling, like, that we all remember that these guys have battled for years. And we remember when they kind of showed their respect to each other. And I was like, oh, that's, like, really cool that they acknowledged that. Um, I loved that that aspect of it.
3: Yeah, and right and right when the Uso, Usos' mu- music hit, Corey Graves mentioned that they're not getting past the tag team champions. If anybody yeah. can get it done, it's the Usos. And then right after that, that's when they kind of stopped and <laughs> walked out. Which I, like you said, I thought that was like really great because of the respect that they have for Kofi and the New Day. And it came I, I on the heels the of, of them
0: that. getting their asses kicked by the bar, right? Yeah.
1: The, yeah, they they were laying. I mean, Big E was laying uh, dead in a table. Um, the one thing that you know that ran through my head immediately when the music comes and they you know they're 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 talking their ish as they're walking down the stage. I was like, wow, you know, Jimmy and Jay were backstage by the monitor last week while Kofi was in this same role. <laughs> so I kind I kind of seen this happen, and I love the way that they just said, "Nah, we forfeit." Because I was like, man, this is what they should do, but like it wasn't, it was, it didn't discredit them. Like it's not like they took like a finger poke. It's not like they just laid down and let them, they just said, yo, we we forfeit.
0: Right. you know, you see, seen people point. let. Sorry, but to, like, to your point, the, the, this just clicked in my head when you were talking. It's like, it's what they should have done based on the fact that they respect Kofi and they respect the New Day. Also, like you, like you said, they were part of the people cheering for Kofi, mm-hmm. and it was like them basically flipping off Vince, like, we're not going to be a part of this. You want to keep holding yeah. this guy down. We're not going to be a part of it. So that go continued, but that that was what just clicked into my head when you were talking. No, that's spot on because it's
1: like um, the good brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Alves. That they, they jobbed right out. They're <laughs> not really they're not heels right now, but you didn't see them back by the monitor last week, right? So I mean, it, it was just perfect the way they did it. It, it kept the tag champions looking strong. Um, it, it was great. You know, tip of the hat to their feud, playing homage to the great matches that they had over the past two years. I loved every moment of that. Um, and to piggyback off what you guys have been saying, this is one of those times where every every night um, at the end of SmackDown the past two weeks, hindsight is really what shows you how good the episode is because when they announced a gauntlet match last week, I'm sitting there, or, or I'm sorry, when they announced it two weeks ago for Kofi. Oh man, like I, I, I don't need this. And then it ends, and you see like what they're doing with Kofi, and you know like next week you're gonna get something more. It's like Aaron says it all the time when he tries to defend the product, and and I hate to defend the product, but it's one <laughs> of those times you really just got to go on for the ride because the you know it showed it showed how much Biggie and Xavier care for Kofi and they went out and they put themselves through a gauntlet and then when I, when I mention hindsight I just look at it like if they weren't doing these gauntlet matches which aren't common for you know build up it's not like what you see all the time like what else would we be getting for this storyline like would we just get Kofi you know doing handicap matches all the time uh the fact that his tag partners had a fight for him yeah, I, I'm enjoying
0: it yeah and it also highlighted like how good Big E and Xavier are. Like yes, we, we t- had a, a great conversation on this show. I don't know, six months, a year ago, about Big E and us wanting to see him get that titles run, and like I always love to see Xavier get to shine because he's one of the most talented guys they have under contract, and maybe the most underrated.
1: We may be the podcast of Roman Reigns, but I think <laughs> if you go through every episode, every other episode. There's been a lot of touting for those two guys from day one.
0: Yeah, I love both of them. I think they're both great, great talkers, great actual in ring competitors. Like, there's nothing that they can't do.
1: If if you guys got nothing else to say about the gauntlet match, uh, prep said something really good that I kind of want to hear everyone's opinion on. I wasn't really going to mention anything about it, but this is kind of where my head is. You know, we got this really great organic build up. We're, you know, we got a go home show from raw and SmackDown. And then we're here. We're at WrestleMania sticking towards the WWE championship. Uh, prep said he's, I don't know if I'm thinking too much or in his wording, but he said, I'm, I'm just happy the match is going to happen. I'm just happy the match is going to happen. Um, I guess I want to hear everyone's opinion. Like, The match happens. This is great. This is huge for Kofi Kingston. This is huge for the New Day. Uh, Whether It's not going to go on last, but maybe it surprises. Maybe it does. Maybe it's the opener. But is this match happening enough? If Kofi Kingston loses, is it actually a bad thing?
0: Yes. It's hard for me to say it's a bad thing because it has been fun to get here. And, like, there was... There was, like, joy in getting here, like, seeing that. Like, when Kofi ran in and slid headfirst into the ring, I was, like, to steal a word from Rusev, I was elated when I saw that <laughs>
3: happen. Um, what the hell does that mean?
0: <laughs> so, like, it's good in that sense, but it, it, I do agree that while I may not call it bad, it's not enough for him. Like, he deserves more. So, like, that may be a cop-out of an answer, but that's how I feel about it. Ayla, what about you?
3: Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you. Like, the story's been so great now. Do I want him to win? Yes, but I think the story, even even though the WWE title is at the bottom of WWE's position right now, what's important to them, they they turn this into something really, really good. And I want Kofi to win, but I don't think it'll be a complete waste if he lost.
0: Yeah, like, it's complicated. Like, don't get me wrong. When we do the show on April 10th or whatever the hell day it would be after after Mania, I'll be pissed on here if he doesn't win. Um, (laughs) But similar to, I I bring this comparison with Lost all the time. Like, the way it ended, people didn't like it. But I was like, you can't unenjoy the first 119 episodes. Like, if you enjoyed it, you'll always have enjoyed it. You can't unenjoy it. So, like, this will always, like, I'll always look back at this as, like, At a time when I was not enjoying anything, I enjoyed the hell out of this. Um, Yeah. But I'll be pissed by the same token.
3: Yeah, and all the the stars are lined up for Kofi to actually win, so.
0: Yeah. Now, another thing, this was, there was something that made me laugh out loud during the gauntlet match, and I don't know if any of you picked up on it. So, obviously, when the Usos forfeit, we see Daniel Bryan going absolutely nuts back in the locker room (laughs) and throwing things, and... Eric Rowan is throwing things too, and it reminded me of Zach Galifianakis imitating Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. If anybody remembers that, <laughs> <laughs> when they're all pit- when Bradley Cooper's all pissed off in the desert and Zach Galifianakis is imitating everything he does, that was what came to mind when that happened. I couldn't stop laughing.
3: But, oh, uh, one, one more thing I wanted to bring up. I wanted to bring up Daniel Bryan's performance in the opening segment of SmackDown. I thought his, he played his role great. He's like, "Go ahead and quit." Well, yeah. All you got to do is bring up three guys from NXT and they'll and – Call them the day after. Yeah, call – what was it? The day after or something, something like, like that. that. Fresh that, afternoon. I, that, was, that was good. Yeah, fresh, that was Fresh <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> That's what it was. I, I thought that was great. And then every time Vince kept talking, he was like, yeah, Vince, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was great. Shut the hell up.
0: <laughs> Prep, did you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I did. I just wanted to go back real quick because I did have the opposite thought of everybody else where where yeah, like I'm happy that the story happened win or lose, but why can't he win like just have him win It's not that big of a deal, you know what I mean he
1: right.
4: can
2: lose it next month, and nobody would question it. It's just like. <laughs> Does everybody, but does everybody remember how terrible Daniel Bryan's run was after he won at WrestleMania 30? That didn't take away from how great
0: that moment was. Right. No, like, I I do agree with that completely. Like, by all accounts of everything that's happened in the last six to eight weeks, he absolutely should be the champion. He absolutely has earned it. I think the amount of fan support and buzz that it has gotten means it's worth it to do it. Do any of you think it will be weird though to have like this historic moment of Kofi winning the title? We talked about this before, but like now it's it's like a reality coming up to have like the the moment of the the first African American African American WWE champion holding up that belt. <laughs> like does anybody else think that's like would be a little bit weird?
1: Yeah, I um I, I- I, I think the belt. I think if he wins, the the belt changes or in the spot.
0: So you think they reward they award him the actual belt and not Brian's? Oh, I hope yes. so. Yeah, I hope we or, had or, this or conversation he, when they first be, brought the belt. or he yeah. would be awarded the eco
1: friendly belt and there'd be a switch within minutes. But yeah, I think whatever I, I think if he ever becomes a WWE champion, he maybe feels that moment for a brief brief time. I, I don't. I don't even think like you know how sometimes they'll reveal the new belt or change it the following smackdown i think it would be live and in living color right then
3: yeah especially since the, for the way brian treated it, mm-hmm. it may, yeah, exactly, in that aspect exactly. i think i think like they'll bring that trash bag out or whatever and, uh, <laughs> just <bring> it up. <laughs> so they saved the trash bag yeah yeah
0: whatever <laughs> like- wouldn't what you
2: think it'd be a cool moment if he destroyed the
0: belt yeah, it would. <laughs> like he goes lethal on it. Yeah, like he's tearing down everything that Daniel Bryan had built. Like, what, what if that wood is like real bad? And he just snaps it over his <laughs> neck. Oh, that'd be awesome. I feel like that wood probably is real bad. That's why I said I'd buy it for forty bucks on WWE Shop. <laughs> um, you got to move that decimal point over. <laughs> four bucks. Or, oh, you're saying they would sell it for 400 <laughs> Yeah, you know it. Yeah, I you do. You know it. I know, I know it would uh, not be 40 bucks on WWE Shop. I'm glad to hear everyone's feedback.
1: I mean, to wrap up my question, I think kind of agree with everyone. I guess my, my gut my gut tells me Vince McMahon kind of looks at this like we're giving the fans a lot of what they want. Like they, they wanted women to have a match at, at WrestleMania, and now they're having two, maybe three, maybe just two. But one of them's in the main event, and win, lose, or draw uh, for Becky, like it's a win. The fact, like, it doesn't matter if Ronda retains; it doesn't matter if Charlotte wins. It, it's a retain. Uh, it, it's a win for the fans. The fans got to take the take the W. People are going to complain if Becky loses, but there's a W to be had here. Um, I I think you know my. Late nineties, early early two thousands fandom kicks in, and I compare this to Booker T Triple H at Mania, and I'm just like, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna give them the belt, <laughs> uh, and and I'm nervous about that, but I, I do look at it like, okay, it's not O two no more, it is twenty eighteen twenty nineteen, there, you know, I, I do see there there being the chance of it. I, I hope it's what happens. I just, I mean in maybe a maturing sense, it, this is where I feel like it should happen. Like it's freaking, they, they put the belt on Jinder Mahal. Uh, Aaron, Aaron loves <laughs> Jinder Mahal. They, they, they gave it's a publicity they, stunt. They gave Mahal the belt and I sold the damn thing
4: <laughs> R- right on
1: the spot. And I was, I was genuinely pissed because I don't like this guy. He shouldn't be there. Kofi should be there. And I just look at it. Like, it's not like, like, mahal won it or a b a b show if kofi made it to the dance for the wwe championship which i don't know what is there maybe 20 different people that can say that like you know 35 wrestlemanias how many different people can say they competed for the wwe title at wrestlemania i look at it win lose or
0: draw there's a win there yeah oh yeah it's a big deal for him to to be in this spot
1: yeah yeah Like, I I do feel like, despite me wanting him to win so much, it's like, he loses, as long as it matches really good, I'm going to be happy
0: either way. Yeah, I I agree. And the the last question I have on this, like, we've also talked a lot about, on the show, about, like, WWE not knowing how to handle, like, minority talent. We've talked about it with, like, with black wrestlers, we've talked about it with, like, Latino wrestlers. Is it weird that this is, like, this story, like we're black people like us don't get put in the prominent position and Vince's his character in the story is like yeah I don't want you there it like is it, am I the only one that finds that a little bit odd or a little bit like problematic now
1: my initial reaction is no because I think of my age and I think of how long I've been a wrestling fan and with the internet now, I mean it is it's true. I mean, this 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 is real life. I mean, this is really how everyone thinks Vince has treated, you know, African American wrestlers for years and years and years. Um, what I do agree and feel like should feel uncomfortable is if you have your children that are ten years old, five years old, six years old, you know, preteens watching this and this is the story they're getting, it's not so great. Uh, I do think this is kind of one of those things, in, in my opinion, where it's you know, if you've been watching forever and you're at a certain age, you get it. It makes sense. It is real. It, it, hit, it's hit, it hits home. It, like you said, we've been talking about it on the show since day one on how they don't handle um, minority talents as well as they should.
0: Yeah. Alo, what do you think?
3: Well, this kind of goes hand in hand with my thing of how they don't acknowledge everything because the stuff you're bringing up is everything is, is what's happening outside of the television show. And they haven't really brought none of that to the television show. So for them, if they brought this stuff on TV, I would completely agree with you, but they're not acknowledging it on television, which is the most important thing to them. So I don't have a problem with it at all, but like, like, I understand how er- nowadays everybody's like pro-black and stuff, and they find the what's wrong in everything in the world when it's in some cases, in a lot of cases it's not that serious. but um, like it never really even crosses my mind at the time. You know I'm just watching wrestling to watch wrestling,
0: yeah, so like I'm watching it, and I'm like, ah, it's a little weird to me that like this is what mm-hmm. you've actually done all this time. and but maybe, like you said, they're not actually acknowledging that this is the way people talk about it. So it's just a story. And that's another thing that I think, like, obviously you guys know I'm uh, about as progressive and supportive of marginalized people that anybody could be. But, like, at some point, a story is just a story. And, like, telling a story about racism doesn't mean you're racist. It means you're telling a story about racism or telling a story about, like, some type of violence doesn't mean you're violent. You're just telling a story about violence. So... There is, I agree, there is, like, a sense of separating fact from fiction or, like, truth from fiction. So while it, I do, like, look at it and, like, eh, uh, I yeah, get yeah. it. Like, it's a story about these three guys. And, and yeah. they've told it really well.
3: Yeah, no, now Eric had brought up about uh, Triple H and Booker Tate. I was now, just going to bring that up. That, that, he never said, he never said black but he just said things that you couldn't criminal do. oh yeah he was, said you couldn't get away with you couldn't get away with what was going on what Triple H was saying in 20, in 2003 you couldn't get yeah. away with that program now oh. calling him boy talking about how he, how Booker was incarcerated and people like you don't win championships and stuff you, stuff like that you could if, if that was happening now i would completely agree with you
0: yeah well
1: yeah it's Stuffed definitely and, not that <laughs> and the stuff Jerry Lawler said in commentary
0: yeah, yeah it, it's definitely not coming across like that. Uh, something I should have mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I'll probably, I'll just warn you guys, I'm going to throw something on the beginning of the show announcing this. Uh A-Lo did an interview with TJP, formerly known as TJ Perkins, uh, and we're going to go to that right
3: now. All right, everybody, so it's now time to welcome in our guest the winner of the inaugural WWE Cruiserweight Classic and former Cruiserweight Champion, TJP. TJ, how you doing, man?
5: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me.
3: Oh, no problem. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk with us. Um, how's life at the WWE been? I know I know we talked for a brief second. You said you're more, you're more busy now than you were before. So how's all that going for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. The, uh, it,
5: the During the period of time where I'm, not allowed to be busy I'm probably the busiest I've been in God 10 years maybe really so it's good yeah
3: yeah um, during your time off have you gotten time to build your frustration about the Los Angeles Lakers as a Laker fan I'm very frustrated <laughs> myself you know I've developed the callous of it for
5: it over the years <laughs> um, and I don't even I don't even mean recently like my favorite teams for them, in history have been not, not always the winning teams. Like I liked, uh, you know, when we had uh, like Peeler and three and George yeah. Lynch uh-huh. and, um, and, and I liked like Van Exel, Eddie Jones, uh, Sabalos, rookie Kobe, you know, when they were just barely making the playoffs, like I, I liked some of the leaner years. Um, so, you know, I've come to <laughs> enjoy each team as they are. Um, probably the only one I didn't really like was when it was,
3: Kobe and a bunch of plumbers for three or four <laughs> years. That that was pretty rough. Yeah, just sitting there hold holding on to hope of looking okay, maybe he could be a guy. Maybe Jordan Clarkson's a guy. Maybe Kendall Marshall's the guy, but it's it just didn't work no, out that I mean, way.
4: <laughs> it was
5: something. Uh, oh, I, I'm I'm talking back when it was like uh like oh five. Oh yeah, like that was worse. Yeah, Smush Parker. Oh, yeah. Smush Parker, Kwame oh, Brown. Yeah, yeah. I
4: mean uh who else was they had Yeah, have? those uh,
5: those were crazy years. I mean, we we basically just added pal and and every, Kobe put everybody on his back and got us back to the finals. But, man, it was like we had like three Russian dudes on the team. Like, yeah, we uh, had like
3: we had a lot of random guys in the O five five team. I know it was uh, Sasha Vujicic. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think Karan was on that. Yeah, Karan one Butler, too, maybe. Yeah, and then they traded him yeah. for Kwame the that, that off season, and um, Tierre Brown. Yeah, I, I remember all those years. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> like, et, pr, like ha, half of
5: the starting five, and then the rest of the bench were like, if you read the names, it's like. It's like those uh, filler names on like the legend teams on Two K
3: when <laughs> yeah. they have like just random yeah, names. The generic, for... the generic names like Mark Davis and John Brown. Yeah,
5: <laughs> like um, yeah, like unlicensed. Like that's they were he. It was like Kobe and like twelve unlicensed players. <laughs> like, that's what it was.
3: <laughs> no, now um, if we have time, we might get back to the Lakers a bit. Um, All right, now transition into wrestling. Now. A lot of us were introduced to you in the Cruiserweight Classic in the summer of 2016. Now, how are you Mm -hmm. approached about the idea of the the Cruiserweight Classic and being a part of it?
5: Uh, Let's see. If I remember it correctly, uh, it was uh, William Regal had called me. And I knew him a little bit from before because he used to – I mean he's kind of had a uh, low-key scouting job for years. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was a teenager, I was in uh, what was – at the time, like one of the first developmentals, it was called UPW. It's where John Cena came from, okay. Victoria, yes. Miz. Yeah, a lot of those guys came from there. And I was I was there. I was like 15, 16 years old. And that was the first time I, I met Regal because he had come in and worked a little bit and was also kind of a liaison uh, for WWE because he, even as a performer, before he was winding down, he was already kind of being used as like like a go between for for uh, scouting talent and stuff like that. And uh so he just if I remember correctly he just called me and uh left me a message and said that you know we're putting together this thing and if I'd be interested and I said sure. Um I had just uh parted ways with TNA, I think, not long before that. So I just been kind of go to Mexico and Japan and some stuff in the meantime and um and uh yeah, and that was that was it.
3: Now, when you saw the, the roster of the participants in the Cruiserweight Classic, it included some of the biggest names in wrestling at the time, and to this day, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Kota Bushi, and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, who were already with NXT at the time. Now, did you feel that you were going to win the entire time, or did you have an idea of who they wanted to win? Um, I
5: honestly didn't even think about it. It's weird. By the time this had come up, WWE was no longer a bucket list goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I I'd come in and out and done some you know spot matches here and there for Raw or SmackDown or like I think like the ECW brand that they had mm-hmm. and some dark dark matches and things and that that was in like you know a couple different developmental camps and things like that and I just for me that was enough. Like I, I didn't I never aspired to be like on WrestleMania or like SummerSlam or something mm-hmm. like that. Um so it, I, I was kind of just wanting to just wrestle at that time. So I, I didn't think much of it. I thought, okay, I'll do this. It'll probably be kind of fun, and um, and that'll probably be it. Like I'll just – I might be a one-and-done or something, and, and that's it. And um, and I didn't know what the rest of the field was either because when uh, when Regal had called me, he also asked me to help him find guys. Like if there were people that they weren't aware of that they really needed to – To showcase. So, you know, I tried to help them out, like point them in the direction of certain guys here and there, like from Mexico or Japan or something like that. And, um, I don't really remember who all we talked about together. Um, or if any of the people were guys that, that I had recommended, or if, um, if they already kind of had them on the radar, they pretty much had all the guys on the radar. Um, but no, I I didn't really, it it didn't weigh very heavily. I mean, I didn't think much of it. I almost, (laughs) I almost kind of looked at it as just another booking, like really, like hey, yeah, like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do, you know, evolve in Orlando, and I got this one gig in Chicago, and then I got this WWE thing, and then I got got this other thing in Philly, and you know, like it was just a thing on the schedule. I didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, now transition. Now when we found out that you won, we were completely. Excited because you were one of our favorites in the Cruiserweight Classic. So, what was your reaction when you found out you were going to win and be the first Cruiserweight champion? Um, <laughs> kind of the same. As really? I said, I guess.
5: I, well, because uh, I I knew from round one, and that's that's kind of a misconception. With I think what a lot of people uh, think is like the narrative is that you know they they really wanted to do say Coda and Zach, right? Yeah.
3: That, um, that was the, the, and, the and hot that,
5: pick, yeah. Right, right. And I, I think that was that. W- that's something that a lot of. I mean, even I would have loved to see that. Uh, but that was. I think they were separated in the brackets to give that perception. Yeah, but that. But I know, at least as far as I know, from round one on, that was never going to happen. Like, huh. I think that was just there for people to be like, "Oh man, I hope this happens," so that as the tournament goes on, they're glued to it because if, because there's so many different types of fans, you know, some there's most fans don't know who any of us are. Yeah. Zach or Coda included. That's 99% of people watching this. So, but then there's diehard fans that do want to see that. There's some diehard fans that say like, want to see Gargano go on a Cinderella run. And then there's some fans that just, you know, they like who who they like. They like rich. They like me. They like, you know, metallic from, from CMLL in Japan. And, uh, I think that was just there to be a narrative for certain diehard fans that were like, man, I really, I know this is where they're going to go in the end. But that was, I, I knew from round one because they had asked me who I wanted to wrestle in the finals. Oh. And I originally think I originally said I wanted Zach. So, <laughs> but, uh, but they, they kind of said, well, it's, we, we kind of want you to go with either Zach or, or metallic and. And I really like Metallic. I, I had known him for a few years. We did the Super Juniors together. Um, but Zach was just a little bit more in my strike zone, I guess. You know, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, and we, we're we pretty good friends. We get along real well. Um, so I, I thought we'd have a fun match. But uh, but they ended up wanting to go with Metallic.
3: Now, how how long was the time frame for the entire thing for you guys? Of the tournament? Uh,
5: as far As far as what do you mean?
3: Uh as far the timetable from the beginning of the, the beginning of the tournament to the end how long did that take for you Um well let's see well, each each
5: round was a full was a separate day except for the I guess final two cuz we did it back to back that was maybe one of the tougher nights for me ever in wrestling just cuz I had those two matches back to back with just I think one match in between us Mm -hmm. And um, both guys neither speak English, and neither speak the same language as each other. So I was calling different matches in different languages to these guys. (laughs) But but, yeah, I mean, I want to say, I mean, we were we were shooting all these events between like May and May and September, maybe.
3: Uh, Oh, okay. Now, quick. Now transition to. When the Cruiserweights debut on Raw Now the first night the Cruiserweight division debuted You specifically weren't on Raw I believe it was a triple threat Mm -hmm. match To determine who would face you at Clash of Champions And your first feud was with, with the Brian Kendrick And I thought it was the perfect way To introduce yourself and the division Because Brian Kendrick was the familiar face in the division What was it like working with Brian During that time?
5: Uh, I mean, it was cool because Brian and I hadn't really shared a locker room in years. And we, uh, we were really good friends when we were first starting out, we started around the same time. I started in 1998, he was 99. And, uh, we did a lot of stuff in LA together and, um, traveled a lot. A lot of those stories, uh, that we told on TV were real stories. Like I really did ditch school and he would pick (laughs) me up and we would go, yeah, we would carpool to, uh. To shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, and then I would just go back to school on Monday morning. Um, yeah, a lot of those were real stories, uh, so it was cool, you know, getting to uh, to be with him. And a, a lot of the guys that were in the tournament did like this was their first time at this level and their first time like having a wrestling job. Mm-hmm. And there was only a few of us, like like, and me and Brian were one of the only two that like we'd had we'd had wrestling jobs before. So it was it was comfortable because a lot of the other guys were a little bit timid and trying to find their footing. But Brian and I were used to being like at that level of production and and um, and that type of stage. So
3: now the cruiserweight division as a whole was always a big topic on our show. Like we thought you guys were. We thought you guys were presented right, the the purple ropes, the the um how the Raw would go hold cruiserweight in the arena. We thought it was great and you guys would eventually get two oh five live a few months later after the the resurrection of the cruiserweight cruiserweight division. Is there anything different that you would have done different to if you were making the call with the cruiserweights? You know, I think um integration is really
5: what made it a tough uphill battle from the beginning. And, um, I mean, it's, but that's, that's really a hindsight thing because you don't know, right. You know, you go into this and you think, okay, we'll make this division. and, And if we make it separate, it'll feel special. But then on the other hand, it, that is so backwards from the formula of how, you know, we introduce stars on that, on these shows and on that stage. Like for example, if, uh, if, you, if you come from NXT, let's say you're like Elias or somebody like that, right? Yeah. You'll come in and you'll, uh, you'll be by yourself. You'll be introduced opposite of, say, Chris Jericho or somebody like that. And you immediately make an impact by you know intruding on him and, and, uh, and you have this one-on-one story to tell. And you're going to get a lot of residual attention off of somebody that the people already know really well, they respect, and they've already accepted them. And, uh, and then from that point on, you know, you have, you know, a pretty immediate springboard and a spotlight that you didn't have to share and a lot of singular focus. And that's how everybody comes in. We were opposite. So we are coming in as, you know, 10, 12 guys, nobody's ever seen before. And we're only with each other. So we don't have that residual, um, attention off of working off of somebody that, that you know, is known or, or well-respected or something like that. So we don't get that type of equity off of other people. So you tread water a little bit in the beginning. And then that, I think that was the tough part is that in hindsight, it might've been better to have some of us on SmackDown, some of us on raw and working alongside other people so that we can be, you know, build some equity as individual characters and still do cruiserweight matches in the meantime. Because um, then that, that hurt us in the long run. Like, I think from the moment we started, we were presented really well. We had a great springboard. And we kind of slowly lost momentum, like, from the Neville period to the Enzo period. Like, it just kept getting slower and slower and slower. And you could kind of see they would start take like, after, after the title was moved away from me, Rich, Brian, they started taking the title matches off the pay-per-views, and then we were not on Raw as much and stuff like that. And it's we're just losing steam, and it's just hard because you know the segregation really hurt us.
3: Yeah. Now, one thing that I personally think was wasn't a great idea was the fact that you guys were taking off Raw early last year because I thought the audience needed to see you guys too, as well as on Two Hundred Five Live to get a, to get an idea. And like you said, you guys getting off the pay-per-view cards onto pre-shows or not on the card at all. Do you think you guys got the right exposure? Um, I think that we,
5: I, yeah, I, I agree with, I think what you said and you could kind of see it. Like I would see it, I think from a fan's perspective it's hard because you're on one side of the fence and so many groups of fans, you know, you get like they exist in echo chambers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't really see the whole picture, but like from the inside looking out, I could see the way everybody perceives us and the differences. And I could see like like uh, the initial group that came in, there was like four or five of us that were showcased a lot. Say like me, Rich, Brian, Cedric. Um, we were consistently on like Raw every week and then heavily featured on 205s. And to this day, you know, if we do like when we would do access, like even just at this recent Royal Rumble access – a lot of people, their perception of the cruiserweight division is still us four. Really, like, that's that's how big that perception was, and how disconnected it became once it got moved off. Like the, some of the guys that are headlining two five now, people don't even know they're on the show because they kind of tuned out once we were moved off a of raw, and that hurts the group, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just that's just the way it is, like in mass, because the company is so big and the product is so huge. Once you disconnect that portion, like. The, the familiarity drops so much.
3: Yeah, because I felt when I do catch 205 Live, I feel that a lot of the stuff that you guys do with storytelling, like your thing, your work with Lucha House Party, Collecting the Mask, uh, Drew Gulak, uh, J- uh, Jack Gallagher, a lot of the storytelling is really good. And I think that the fans should at least see some of that on the weekly television show so that I can kind of get them to tune in.
5: Yeah, like I think if, if, if people get to see that type of stuff on Raw or SmackDown, like those stories you mentioned, then it would get a totally different amount of traction and work in a totally different way. Um, but, you know, just uh, like I said, I, I just think segregation kind of hurt us because like, um, like even the Neville period, we are all having good matches and stuff. But to the casual fan, we're still a dozen guys that they don't know and we're just lining up to lose to a guy that they kind of know. But then now they just want that guy to go back to the other shows because he's doing so well. And then they stop believing in the other guys. So even that was like the segregation really hurt us, you know?
3: Yeah. Now, recently, Mustafa Ali made his way to, SmackDown, to the SmackDown Live roster, and you kind of hit on it with segregation. Now, a concern that we had with the assumption of the division was that you guys would get pigeonholed. And and your, the only ceiling would be for cruiserweights. Now I remember you having a campaign for a shot at the IC title. What was it like trying to move out the move out outside outside of the division and get onto the Raw or SmackDown roster? Um, it's I don't know. It's tough to
5: describe. I, I'm not. I've never really been like a political guy, so um, you know I've always just tried to approach stuff based on merit. Uh, and so, you know, that's just a part of the game, though. You know, so a lot of guys can uh, can find opportunities through that means. And, and for me, it was really just more about proactivity. So for me, it was a little bit frustrating because there were certain certain doors I didn't want to open and certain things I didn't want to – certain ways I didn't want to work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. from an integrity standpoint. Um, but I, it was kind of a long process because – Maybe a year ago, I had approached. I, I you know knocked on Vince's door in London. We were doing TV in London, and I told him that uh, you know I didn't feel like I was really a commodity to him anymore at, in in my current form. You know, I just mm-hmm. I was just a, a a moves guy on a moves show. And when I first came in, I was presented as a global superstar that connected to a certain community, my community. And when when I got to Raw, you know, it, it, they're two different planets like the, the NXT system, the network shows and, and Ron Smackdown. Yes. And I mean, it, it is, it, I, it is so completely disconnected, like two different creative teams, two yeah. different everything. And so the, the moving up, they didn't, you know, these, this team didn't know who I was. They didn't really know me very well. So they kind of disconnected me from the stuff that kind of got me over in the first place that, that formed that connection. And, uh, And basically, I just told him I wanted to get back to that. That's what my value should be to you. And that's really what it is, is, you know, my community, Asian Americans, they want their Mysterio, their Guerrero, and and they're familiar with me. They'd like me to be that. and That's what I want to be. And so, you know, we spent a year trying to figure out, like, the right story and the right way to do it because, uh, you know, he was all for that change of direction and so it was really just about trying to find a way that would make sense to get me onto, I think it was raw that we had picked uh, from the beginning. We just thought that would be a better place for me, but you know, literally it just comes down to finding the right fit. And there's so many things in the cupboard and so many meals that they want to cook. And if, if it just doesn't feel like you fit the menu correctly, then you just got to sit on the cupboard and wait. And then, you know, that's the process everybody goes through.
4: Yeah.
3: Cause You talk about how (laughs) NXT, Raw and SmackDown are are completely different entities. Now, me personally, I I consider NXT and 205 Live more the wrestling shows and Raw and SmackDown as the sports entertainment shows. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of
5: changing now because, like, all all the stuff that recently with – people speculating and thinking, you know, about Vince being high on like athleticism and, and more wrestling type stuff that that's all legitimate. He really did, you know, get a chance to sit down and really see what some of the other shows are doing. And he really did like kind of make a mandate that, man, I want everybody to be able to do this. And the whole company was kind of like, dude, all of your guys can do this. <laughs> um, so if you just, if you let him go, they'll, they'll like everybody from, you know, Rusev to Aiden English, to the dudes in NXT, to the guys in UK, everybody can go. So it was like, you know, that's why you start, you're starting to see everybody kind of let loose.
3: Now, when superstars leave after the fact, we, all, we always learn about ideas they had or pitches they wanted to make and they just didn't get done or didn't get approved. Were there any ideas or pitches that you have for yourself, for yourself and your character? Oh, man, they're, they're still using them to
5: this day. Really? I, I pitched – yeah, the, the Finn and Elias stuff that they were doing on house shows this week. Is, oh, really? That was you? Guy, they, <laughs> I just saw guy that guy. before yeah. you called. Um, the, the, the story they debuted for Ricochet was a pitch of mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when they gave – Enzo, the Zoe show. And then when they did the Alexa bliss thing, when she was, uh, kind of got hurt initially, that, that was also a pitch of mine. Cause I had had three, like three months, I think off. And I was, they didn't know what to do while I was off. And I think I was hurt for some of it. So I pitched, uh, an in-ring uh, talking segment for two Oh five just to help. Some of the guys were not so good at promos. And,
4: mm-hmm.
5: you know, I have, I have a pretty good natural personality in front of the camera. So, you know, I was like, I could help get other stories over, even if I don't have one. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that I pitched, uh, uh, especially when, uh, it came down to trying to figure out creative to, um, get me back to, you know, connecting to like my community and, and being, you know, who I was in the CWC, you know, they, the idea was I need to, you know, we need to connect that to some sort of creative. So before we picked like which platform I'd be on, they, you know, asked for pitches. They told me to write. And man, I wrote something for everybody. I was like, really? okay, here's a story. Yeah. I was like, here's a story. Me and me versus gender, me versus Elias, me versus Finn, me versus, I mean, everybody on every card in the entire company I turned in a story for. Hmm.
3: So there's, there's tons. What was your favorite that you turned in?
5: Um, let's see. Uh, they had asked me about the intercontinental title stuff because and I put that out there. Not, I mean, it's not really a serious goal of mine. Uh, I thought it'd mean more to, you know, my people, I guess more so than it does to me, but, uh, they're big on first evers, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> they hammer it home all the time. Like the first ever cruiserweight champion <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, you know, like Finn, first ever universal champion, stuff like that. They're, they're big, you know, they're really big on that, especially Vince. So, you know, I said, well, there's never been a Filipino intercontinental champion. So I put that out there just to see if Filipino fans would kind of connect to it. And it resonated really well. So they're like, okay, well write a story for it. So uh, I think right about when they were coming into Finn and Lashley, I was like, okay, I can, I could probably write something for this. Cause that was when they asked me to write one. And, um, I, I always write stuff. I try to pick guys that I think I could give them something. And then if I can give multiple people something and then accomplish whatever my goal is as well, creatively speaking, that's how I come, approach a story. I never approach a story when I'm writing pitches and say, this is what I want to do. And then that's it. Cause then that's so selfish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, I remember looking at it at the time and it was like okay ever since the Universal title Finn had like kind of struggled to have a, a big tentpole moment for his character and mm-hmm. I know that the company really really wants to get behind him they just can't find the right you know thing yeah. and he, had, he hadn't won any gold uh, since then so I was like okay how could I help his character get to that point point? and then I know that working with Bobby it was like they probably want Bobby to move up the card more, but they probably don't want him to take a loss because he's you know a monster. So, how can I help that transition and give Bobby something to do after and, and help him get through that, and also help Finn in the process? And they were together at the time, and I thought it was it was the perfect thing to write for. Leo uh, doesn't get enough chances to wrestle, and I know that they try to find things as much as they can here and there for him to able to have matches because he's super talented so i was like okay this this is something i could write for and i could help everybody in this thing and it'll just give me the introduction and uh uh, platform change that i need so i just pitched a like i think an eight to ten week story for for that where you know i could come in and uh help finn when he's shorthanded and then um help him when he's shorthanded and then kind of sneak past him to get a title opportunity. I I wrote like two or three different versions of it. Mm -hmm. So one version was kind of sneaking past him to a title opportunity. And then, (laughs) then me and Finn kind of have a little bit of beef because it was like, okay, I helped him as a friend, but now he wants me to get out of the way. But I'm like, no, I'm here now. And then, uh, it was a way to, Get the title off Bobby without him having to lose, but also get the title onto Finn in the end. So I, I wrote like an eight to ten week story that was like that. And I think it was like the the best version of it was I kind of sneak past him and then kind of steal the win yeah. in like like a three way. So then I kind of steal the title from him, but then mm-hmm. I end up just you know losing to him straight up one-on-one and then give him the moment so then he can move on as champion. Bobby can move on without ever having taken a loss. And theoretically, Bobby can move on to crushing me next. <laughs> a, a, a David versus Goliath thing because I kind of cost him that. And then, uh, and then he could keep moving up the card. So that's the type of stuff I would write is like, how could I accomplish helping other people move up and then just get something to keep my ball rolling so yeah I had that and then I kind of liked uh, the idea of working with Jinder because I like uh, the Bollywood boys and so oh. it would be giving me a, t- a chance to work with them and I think that was that story was based on uh Jinder kind of like big leaguing me in terms of status like like cultural status yeah. and also just just professional status he's a former world champion and I'm just a cruiserweight and it was just like, I'm not taking any of his crap sort of thing. Um, and then the Elias thing was just something more, like, entertainment-y, like, like, more fun and loose and goofy. I think it was like, you know, like, i pick up his guitar in the back and play it when he's not around or something like that. <laughs> and then he discovers it's out of tune later, so he crushes me with it. And then, you know, I get back at him and interrupt his in-ring performance by leading the, the arena in... Karaoke because I was trying to think what's super Filipino Karaoke is super Filipino. So I was like I could interrupt his his set by kind of forcing him into a duet that he doesn't want to do and uh and um so yeah I I wrote a bunch of stuff but those three were like my favorites.
3: (laughs) Now the next question I'm gonna ask you now feel free to correct me if you're wrong if if I'm wrong because this is from a dirt sheet now in August of 2017 it was reported that Enzo was placed into the division to get more eyes on Two or Five Live. Is that correct? I think that that was the idea. Uh, the same idea
5: as you know when we got Neville, uh-huh. and and also when we got Kalisto. I think they they just wanted to see how they can um, incorporate some integration that we didn't have, but we probably needed.
3: Yeah. So now this was like hot with the wrestling <clears throat> community because a portion of wrestling fans were pretty annoyed with Enzo being the champion because 205 Live was kind of the worker show like they they knew they can get the in ring all the high fly in ring action and it's the more worker based show and Enzo wasn't known for that. Now, did you feel that Enzo being on 205 Live benefited the division at all? Um, I think it
5: potentially could have, but Statistically, it didn't. Uh, I remember when it happened. Man, we—they literally sat us down for a roster. Just our, just our roster, not not the whole yeah. roster, but um, they sat us down with our roster. Like, not like sorry, you're gonna have to babysit this guy, but like, <laughs> but but like not exactly like that. But I know what you mean. Like, yeah, the meeting was everybody except Enzo present so if you understand like the yeah <laughs> the way that 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 is implied but you know it was it was just it was it was a positive thing like we're gonna move him here and help him you know in the ring and we're hoping that he can bring attention to the show and it was like okay um, so be willing to just let him eat you alive on the mic and even though you guys have stuff to say back don't just let him do it and in the ring help him to get through the matches And hopefully this will turn to interesting stuff. So some of it was kind of grating because it's like, you know, he would, (laughs) he would say stuff that was really awesome, but it would get him over. And it was like, you're supposed to be a bad guy. And meanwhile, a lot of, not everybody, but some of the guys in our roster is pretty good on the mic. And especially at the time, people didn't know that some Mm -hmm. guys are really good. Gulak is really good. Yeah. I think, I think I'm not bad. Brian's really good. Yeah um a lot of guys are pretty good and we had to just say nothing so it was a little bit frustrating but you know he was a nice enough guy and everything and but you know we did <laughs> the the idea was to kind of get that residual effect but i mean we would ask him every week how are we doing and then say you know whatever metric they measure for viewership or everything it man it just went down every week there was no point that it went up at all
3: Now. During his during his time as the Cruiserweight champion It felt Was there any take back by any superstars Because like you said You guys were told not to say anything But a lot of It felt like it was the division against him At some point And it brought a, kind of a sense of realism to it Because you guys were the workers And he kind of knew he wasn't So was there any like, set back, take back by anybody backstage? Like pushback? You mean? Yes, pushback, yes Um. Not. I
5: mean, not that I know But I, like for me, I, I don't – socially speaking, I'm kind of separate from that sort of thing. Like I mean even when, – like when Aries was there, he was kind of divisive to a lot of the guys in the cruiserweight locker room.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, but I feel like it was more like the cruiserweights wanting to ostracize a guy that they were jealous of as opposed to him really rubbing them the wrong way because not everybody gets along with Aries. I'm using this as an example. Yes. But it, it was embellished because the locker room was insecure, and I think they kind of did that same thing with Enzo. Like the locker room was insecure because you know he is a talented guy, and he was coming from a prominent spot, so he has a lot to offer. But a lot of the guys are like, "Well, when is it going to be my turn?" So to so to speak, and so they would take Umbridge to guys like that and kind of pick them apart. But I always looked at it, and maybe this is just because I've been around for a lot longer. Like I enjoyed working with. Aries or being on the opposite of an Enzo promo or something like that because it's like that, that doesn't bother me. If they can help the show, then everybody wins. So I don't know how much pushback there was because I don't really – I never see stuff that way, mm-hmm. but I know that in those two cases there was some because you could kind of see it from the other guys, but you know, it would manifest itself in different ways.
3: <clears throat> now, while you, were, while you were with WWE, the world of wrestling had changed drastically in my opinion. Now, people are always waiting for the next boom period in wrestling. And on the show, we always try to tell people that the boom period in wrestling is happening now with everything outside of WWE. <laughs> now, like oh, New- yeah. I, I, I feel like it's like
5: 2004 or 2003
3: all over again. <laughs> yeah, because New Japan's at a high. Um, we just had All In recently. Um, AEW is officially a thing. A lot of promotions are, are like taking off. Now, what do you, how do you feel about that?
5: I mean, I'm still kind of learning, to be honest. I feel like I'm kind of learning how to be a wrestler all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I remember when I uh, when I started, I, I wrestled for three or four years before New Japan kind of recruited me. And, um, you know, from like 98 to like 2002, mm-hmm. the indies w- weren't really a thing, like, yeah. They were they were kind of a thing, but it kind of just felt like leftovers from like the territory days and these indie cards that you know internet wasn't even big enough to kind of cover a lot of this stuff at the time. So it's like it was just the wild west. But then I went to Japan, went to CMLL, spent a couple years like kind of away from American wrestling, and when I came back, all of a sudden TNA was like like a major league promotion with pay-per-views and weekly TV and ring of honor had come up and made this big splash. And there were all these like indie tournaments that were getting hotter and hotter, like the super eight and like the Ted Petty and, you know, PWG was starting, I think like within that year or two after that. So it kind of reminds me of then because I, I like, just now like my schedule's filled up for the rest of the year so quickly. And I'm like, where did all these places come from? Because I like, you know, the six or seven years ago when I was kind of doing more indies and stuff before like TNA and WWE, a lot of this stuff wasn't around.
3: Mm -hmm. Now, who are some wrestlers that you're interested in facing? Um,
5: everyone (laughs) people keep asking me like who what's your dream match and I tell them the next one because everybody's so good now everybody's talented so I mean it's just exciting to you know be able to get like there's some old faces who are friends you know obviously there's guys like Zach or like Jeff Cobb or you know um like the Bucks I kind of grew up with them in wrestling so to speak um You know, there's there's a lot of different guys that it's cool that I have the chance to be able to reconnect with Uh, Gresham. I've never been in the ring with Jonathan Gresham, but I've known him for a while. And it's exciting that now I have the freedom to be able to to cross paths with them if if uh, if our schedules match up. Um, And then there's there's people that I have no idea and I've never seen before. And they're they're going to blow me away. I know it because there's just so much talent now.
3: Now. This is my last question, because I want to thank you again for your time, but this is the last question. We're going to end this the way we started. So okay. what do you think is the biggest problem with the, the 2019 Los Angeles Lakers? Uh,
5: it reminds me of the
3: 2013-2012
5: season when yeah. they had all the injuries. I, I really think consistency was the problem, because you know, when the, the kids were – healthy and everybody was playing pretty good around Christmas before Braun had his injury. We're in fourth place. We might've, we, we might've finished with the third seed if we kept that pace. Mm -hmm. Um, so primarily I think it's that, you know, the, the suspensions and then those injuries that really killed everything. But, um, I think next year, you know, everybody being healthy, like the off season is going to be kind of tricky. I was just telling a friend of mine. I feel like Kyrie is secretly the yep. linchpin in everything. Yep, I feel the same way. <laughs> because he, him choosing to stay or go in Boston is going to dictate whether Boston makes a good offer for Davis or not at all. And if they don't, that makes the Lakers the only horse in the race because the Knicks traded Porzingis and if the Knicks get Kyrie. They're probably looking more to sign somebody cause they don't have assets to trade for Davis. So then again, that leaves Lakers, maybe the only horse left in the race for Davis and their new GM is probably going to be under pressure to get a deal done because that was kind of black eye for the Pelicans with their GM kind of like playing hokey pokey with it and not really wanting to trade Davis. Um, And so that changes so much. But then if Kyrie stays in Boston, then Ainge will probably make a stingy trade package for Davis. And then a team like the Lakers or a backup team will wait that out and try to outbid Boston. And then that changes the field. Or if Kyrie goes to L.A., then the Lakers trade Lonzo and a package and try to get a guy like Davis or try to sign Boogie Cousins, who probably won't get a max from Golden State but he's going to want one if he's healthy Yeah, um, but all of it I think comes back to Kyrie everybody's got to wait on Kyrie and I don't think people realize it but he's going to control everything
4: yeah
3: yeah I agree even um, no matter what Kyrie does I think he's the key to all this and what were your thoughts on the Anthony Davis trade the man 10 days before the deadline? Because I personally feel that he did that on purpose to kind of ensure that he goes to LA because Boston would have had to involve Kyrie in any deal. So I kind of think that it kind of put the Lakers on a 10 day window to get him. And if they don't, then New Orleans would be able to negotiate with Boston in the summer. Right. Well, I, I think,
5: uh, because of the timing, uh, Boston couldn't, do anything. Cause I think Kyrie is not allowed to be yes. part of a deal. Right. Yeah.
3: yeah that's true. Yeah. They would have to trade involve Kyrie in any Anthony Davis deal.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was, uh, that was, you know, along the lines of what you're saying. I mean, I do think that 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 tried to make a preferable window for LA, mm-hmm. but it, in the interest of like, I guess if you're in Davis's shoes and if you're act, if you're acting in the best interest of both parties, the most amount of time is going to be the best because I I would rather tell, give them two, two trade deadlines to trade me and an off season as opposed to blindsiding them in the summer or even the next trade deadline when they're like, wait, I thought you were going to be cool. So I, I don't think it's as bad of a thing. I think that, I think that, non LA fans and especially new Orleans fans make it out to be such a, like a vilified thing yeah. because they're angry that Davis wants to leave. But in reality, he's giving them three different yeah, notices trade. He, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's giving them, he's giving them three different notices because they can, they might be able to get a panic, uh fire sale out of it at this trade deadline. They might be able to get a panic fire sale during the summer and they might get, be able to get a panic fire sale during the next trade deadline and Davis gave him the leeway to get all of that. Yeah. Um, as, as opposed to just saying next year in December, like, "Uh, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, obviously it would have worked out good if they, if Demps was, you know, not kind of just like leading the Lakers on, but, but, uh, but, you know, I think Davis gave him a good chance to, to find a good trade for him.
3: Yeah, because the whole try and trade the whole team, then they get blown up by forty two points that the night against Indiana. I get it's a business and you have to accept it, but trading the whole team for for one guy is kind of rough on your roster. And I and I don't know if that if
5: I I don't know if that really was. The, the, like the actual trade terms, like because nobody knows who leaked it. Uh-huh. So may, I don't know if they really wanted to trade four or five guys for or not. But I think the other thing that is uh, a, a, sort of a uh, like a narrative on it, uh, there's no other teams other than L.A. and Boston that has the unique amount of young yeah. potent, potential stars. Like anybody else, if they're a winning team, there's nobody they want to trade. If they're a bad team, they don't have – young players as good as Ingram or Tatum or Brown or Lonzo or Kuzma, like the Boston and LA were the only teams the last three or four years that consistently drafted good players at a high level. So, um, so when people are like, well, this just ensures that LA is in the race or whatever, but like who else is going to be the Orlando magic? They don't have anything yeah. to trade, you know, like it was going to be LA or Boston no matter what.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's just, it's just frustrating. Or New,
5: or New York, or New York, if if they still had uh, Porzingis, but yeah. after they shipped him, it's just like you you know that they're all in on a free agent or trying to get Zion. So
3: yeah, yeah, it's just a frustrating time for me because I thought the playoff drought was over, and then all this stuff, <laughs> and then all this stuff happened. Like, at least I still got LeBron in two K. That's all I could say about it. <laughs>
5: I mean, yeah, I I, uh, I really thought we were gonna get in, and um, and I was so happy to see like like my LA fans like taking in Braun without like ostracizing Kobe, like and we were so accepting of like the new like era, and yeah. it was just like this, I just wish we would have found a way to sneak in, but we just we just didn't.
3: Yeah, because before the season started, me and my co host we did an NBA preview show. I had the Lakers finishing. At three or four, and I had them losing to nobody in the West but Golden State. That's how I, honestly, that's how I had them.
5: By Christmas, by Christmas Day, I would have said the exact same thing. I would have said a middle seed, maybe top four, and I honestly didn't think in a seven-game yeah. series with LeBron in playoff mode and if the kids were all clicking, especially with the way Kuzma and Ingram were coming on, like – I didn't see anybody in a seven-game series that would take place within a week span. You know, like I, I didn't see anybody but Golden State being a, a serious threat to them because Houston was looking, um, and they still do look like on again, off again. And the only other team that looks like it could really be a powerhouse at that point in the season or in the you know the postseason is is Oklahoma City.
4: Yeah.
3: And 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 they ended up tailing off. Now that they, I believe they're currently the eighth seed or sixth seed or something like that. Because the wet, the, wet, yeah. the the standards are so tight now, they've been flip flopping back and forth.
5: Yeah, like I, I think you know the other two teams up there, like Portland and say you know Denver, obviously. But I think that the, they're up there because it's it, it was more of a consistency thing. But I feel like in the postseason, you know, it kind of falls on on players like. Yeah you know, a KD and a Steph and like a Braun or like a Harden, like people like that. So I just, I didn't see, like, I feel like this is the year Denver doesn't really go far in the playoffs, yeah, I agree. but it was like, the, it was like their year to say we're here now. Mm-hmm. And then next year, next year in the next couple of years is when they kind of get to like the semifinals, finals, that type of thing. Yeah. But I thought, man, LA, LA has a chance to sneak through if, if they can avoid the Warriors until the, until the finals. But <laughs> but uh uh yeah i don't know i was like if if they could just avoid them till the conference finals and that
3: that's the series but i don't know yeah so um tj i want to I get you out of here i kept you way longer than i anticipated <laughs> <No> <laughs> words, man. it it's my pleasure Anytime. <laughs> yeah so um where could the fans find you at
5: uh, so I only got two socials. Um, I'm sort of anti-social for a guy with socials, uh, <laughs> but you could find my Twitter and my Instagram at, at mega TJP. Um, pretty soon I'll be launching a website with a new like web store and that'll have my schedule and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, my, my, my own touring dates and things like that. Um, and, uh, when that gets up, you'll be able to find it on my socials, but you know, just, uh, check my socials and, uh, and, uh, you know, some pretty cool stuff will be coming in the next three or four weeks.
3: Do you know if you'll be in Philly anytime soon? We have uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. That's one of our local promotions out here. You know, like,
5: I had gone back and forth a little bit on, um, I think, a couple sets of dates with House of Hardcore, but we just couldn't find something to match up. Like, the first week that I opened my schedule, man, I like, I booked, like, 50 appearances really? between May and August. So, like, it, a lot of stuff that was coming up, like a lot of places kind of missed out. So it'll be like round two of booking stuff later in the fall. Uh, but yeah, house of hardcore was like top of the list of one of the places I really kind of wanted to get into. I like Tommy a lot and you know, I've known him for years and I always think that those cards are really good. So,
3: yeah, well hopefully you we can get, we can get, you can get all that worked out. And I said, I hope to see you. I hope to see you get a chance to see you soon live in person. So thank you again for giving us your time and you have a great day, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. So, thank you so much to TJP. Great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Alo, excellent work getting him great as a work. guest and um great work on the interview itself. It, it was really good. He, and he was an excellent guest.
3: Yeah, thank
0: you. Uh like I told you in text great form by my great best friend. Yeah, like I told you in text form, you should be proud of yourself. It was really good. Um thank you. So now let's move on to the uh, the only other thing that I had any real desire to talk about. The Raw Women's Championship match, which is now also, I guess, the SmackDown Women's Championship. Like, I have no idea what's going on. Elephant in the room. Charlotte ha- is now the SmackDown Women's Champion, defeating Asuka on Tuesday night. Other than that, was there, like, anything of any significance
3: that happened with these three? Uh, well, they they had a Beat the Clock Challenge... For a washing machine on okay. Raw, which made no sense.
1: It was really for a washing machine? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it may as uh, well have been. Yeah, It, it was bragging rights, basically? Yeah.
3: I, I, I guess. I, I, I tried to find the silver lining in that. And I was just like, okay, wh- whatever. <laughs> whatever. Who cares? Has anything
0: that was like this, because like obviously there have been some Roman main events that people were not into because they don't like Roman. Has there ever been a match that was as hot and as anticipated as this that got to WrestleMania and almost nobody cared about it anymore? Like, Can you think call of me, anything that has plummeted this much?
1: Call me crazy, and but I think what they did on Tuesday night has people more interested in it. You think I, so? I think, I think it's going to re-spike interest. I think this is, uh, my opinion, uh, I think Charlotte winning is a great, phenomenal, um, you didn't see this coming. Uh, surprised me. I, I, I know there's the rumor that maybe this is going to be for both titles. I don't see that being the case. Um, I see Charlotte's either going to be doing double duty or she's going to drop the title on SmackDown this coming week. Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I don't she know. gets a, she gets a monumental win, um, and then goes back. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, she gets the monumental win and then SmackDown maybe goes back and loses it. But you know, she's the only woman in WWE history to have this many women's championships borderline. She could argue that she's had more than that. If you include NXT,
0: but
4: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I yeah, just for like, me, I don't care. Prep.
2: Yeah, I thought so. I didn't have context when Eck had sent the picture. So <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe this is the way to get Charlotte out of the match. But I didn't realize that Becky's promo before that said, what does Charlotte even have to be in this match? And then from there, I'm like, OK, now I get it. It's just to give her, you know, an accolade for her to hold weight in this match. But it's, I mean, it is
3: what it is. I guess they're going to unify the titles. Well, see, well, f- well, f- before I give my statement, I just want to give a shout out to Richie because Charlotte is strictly Ashley now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. like, I wasn't watching live. So I was like, when Eric sent that picture, I started scrambling. Like, what the hell is going on? And then Richie texted me, asked Ashley won the SmackDown title. I'm like, huh? Really? <laughs> Uh, that's that's strange and then like Prep just said he w- he said it out of excitement like now she's going to get up the match but like, you know she's still going to be in this match right but like Eric said like it kind of it was a swerve and I like, know nobody expected it uh, love a swerve at the same <laughs> time nobody w- really would have cared about a, a SmackDown Women's title match with Oscar at this point against whoever they have on the roster uh, I'm, I don't know if they're going to I'm assuming that the match is gonna be winner take all but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a unification match and if if they actually did unify the titles I wouldn't be that I'll, I'll, I'll be pretty fine with it because they, the, they have the women's tag titles now and you could make more tag teams to an extent but I wouldn't be against them actually unifying the titles but it came out of nowhere which really it was like okay that, that that's a nice little swerve but they've killed this entire feud like I, I don't really even care about this anymore at all I think the match would be fine because I know they're going to make sure the match delivers. But they killed all momentum that this that this triple threat even had in the last two to three weeks. And they didn't help it at all with Raw Monday night either. Now Charlotte went and kind of like raises your an eyebrow and gets you like, oh, okay, they did something here. But Monday night on Raw was completely horrendous and a waste of time.
1: Raw is terrible. And mm-hmm. I think Tuesday night is saving
0: it. Tuesday night <laughs> saving it because – I'll tell you what. I um, how about this? We yeah. say salvaged it because I definitely don't want to say it saved it. <laughs> you wanted something. We'll, we'll use a different word. So,
1: so they salvaged it with uh, the Charlotte, you know, title change because it, it's got me scratching my head. And I typically, you know, you can read all the rumors. We can all have predictions. Um, it, I feel like the majority of the predictions and sheets are all talking about um, dirt. She- uh, a unification, but I typically the past two years I try to do a better job around mania and avoid spoilers, try to avoid sheets, um, especially with Meltzer's verbiage on everything. Well, it might be this, it might be that. I, no, 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 could happen, it could this, not happen. Yeah,
4: g- giving oh, himself okay. an out.
1: I'll tell you what, if, if let's say the match was over by
4: 8.30,
1: 8.35, I'm actually scratching for a sheet, like, hey, what's happening? 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10.10, <laughs> 10, the next morning at work, what? where's this going? Uh, I'm interested, and this is the first thing they've done, I mean, I'm excited about Kofi Kingston's match, but this is the first thing they've done for Mania that I'm actually like, which way this is going to go because i'm actually not hoping for a unification i just feel like it's almost one of those things where the women's division it doesn't need like a mid-card championship but it feels like always one of those two titles similar to the wwe title and universal one always matters more than the other last year the smackdown women's title was the more important match this year it's the raw women's title it's just like it's gonna flip flop
0: Right, there's we're never gonna have a time where like both titles are equally important, like where we care equally about both of them. And a lot of that has to do with who's holding it, who's challenging for it, and like how did we get here. So and, and th- this may be a, a a dumb thought. I don't think we'll ever get that
1: mania season. I could see like SummerSlam and and uh, the B shows. You may care about them equally, but I think during um, WrestleMania season, th- they're always gonna have a focal point on one of the two.
0: Yeah, so obviously we were all very enthusiastic about this like six weeks ago, two months ago. You could tell just in this, whatever it's been, six, eight-minute conversation we've had, we don't feel the same way about it anymore. Um, so I don't have any other notes. I didn't watch anything else other than the New Day stuff. As you guys know and some of the listeners know, I had like a real like life upheaval about a year ago. Uh, Leading into WrestleMania, I had a lot of like health concerns and health questions. It was getting a lot of testing done. And in the last six months and couple weeks, especially, like a lot of stuff has been going on. I've had like a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and I'm not finding any joy or any escape in wrestling. So I've been like avoiding it because more than anything else, it bothers me because I feel like I'm wasting my time watching it. So I'm going to give each of you a chance to tell me. What else is there to look forward to? And I'll start with Alo first because Alo is always the one who has more of a positive spin than anyone else. So I'm curious what you think there is to look forward to besides Kofi Mania.
3: Uh, I'm gonna disappoint you because I have nothing else to look forward to. <laughs> That's not disappointing. I, I actually love it. I that. don't. Because like I think you're doing a good job with Galloway and what he's doing with uh the, with Roman and the members of the SHIELD, but the thing is, I'm turned off by that because Galloway's been involved with these three guys and Roman since June. Last June. Since my birthday when I was in Jamaica. That's when <laughs> they were still that's how long he's been involved with any member of the SHIELD. And I'm turned off by that, but I think he's doing a great job like looking dominant, getting rid of them all. Triple H, homage, Batista, throw, throw it in the tub. It's terrible. Give me Triple what H I is, want. <laughs> well, Batiste what you really,
2: David. really want? Yeah.
3: Yes, I love that. Hunter know, knows, you know, Hamish knows those of the Spice drink. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, him, him cracking, like him, like panning to the crowd, saying, "Oh man, uh, uh, I'm doing the job to the envelope in my pocket." Like I was Amazing. like, I'm, like, stop it! It's, it's not good." You know, Sasha and Bailey in women's tag titles, they're going through the motions right now because they're they're not as important as everything else WrestleMania season. I have nothing really to look forward to. I haven't seen Archer for Carmela in two, three weeks. <laughs> I have nothing to look forward to anymore really on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, prep what what else is there to look forward to for WrestleMania?
2: So I have a cop out answer because Eck usually hits us with this. Uh I can't really announce why, but probably that day we're all going to be watching Mania together. <laughs> so, if anything, the best part is us all being together watching Mania. <laughs> we yes. already talked about how good the Kofi thing is. We'll enjoy that. We already talked about the women's title match. If anything, it's, it'll be a good match. Um, if there was anything from the card, if you didn't take my cop-out answer, if there was anything from the card, Elias is bound to make you laugh at least once. That's yeah, how very gr- true. How,
3: how, how great was him uh, playing music on the street and everybody throwing $100 bills at his guitar case? <laughs> so or
2: when the guy stole it?
3: Yeah, so good. But, oh, now, now, now I, I have a cop-out too. It's not at WrestleMania, but it's WrestleMania weekend. Pete Dunne versus Walter.
4: Get
2: the lotion out. <laughs> Adam Cole versus Johnny
0: Garbanzo. Johnny out. Garbanzo. The good Italian boy. So, Eck, what else is there to look forward to at WrestleMania?
1: Man, well, I I appreciate um, prep paying homage to me with the cop-out of the event. <laughs> um, man, we say it almost like every year. We said it last year. I mean, the cop-out would be the idea of Brock Lesnar no longer having the universal championship. But literally, literally, we're not excited for the match. We're excited about the fact of him not not being champion, which you never know if it's a guarantee or not. Right. Um,
0: I'm not sold on that yet.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I... um. The, you know, I, I mentioned earlier when we said there's not much really to talk about. Um, the whole Paul Heyman shtick, like, I love it. If you guys saw the, the little cra- kid in the crowd uh, mimicking him with, like, the hand gesture and, like, just, like, <laughs> him him running his mouth. Um, I, the, the promo bored me. It, it's, it's so old. Something's really got to change about it. And. I hate the idea, like, with the rumor of, like, Fox News or Fox wanting uh, Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. Like, maybe the same little shtick would be okay on SmackDown because you don't see it there. Obviously, we we don't want Brock Lesnar nowhere near pro wrestling. The one takeaway I enjoyed from this... Now, there will, you know, never be a time like the Attitude Era where, like, you know, The Rock could get the crowd to say anything he wanted at the drop of a dime jericho was you know able to do that recently but jericho is someone that's been around 25 years i this is just one little detail that i was kind of surprised about uh the crowd i think really did uh, something right by seth Rollins. you figure how they you know completely crapped on him december in his match with dean ambrose but i love when he was um talking down to paul Heyman and he had his like you know burn it down moment mm-hmm. i'll be honest it might have been because i was tired worked a long day <laughs> but i actually like i'm like what what is he doing he just threw, threw his microphone up and they all knew what to say i know that's his slogan i know he's had several shirts but that was the one thing that i was like you know what maybe maybe they're doing something right with
0: him here so you appreciate that it seems like seth rollins is like what we want him to be yeah, I mean, you know, and it could be because of our disdain with
1: Brock Lesnar. I know this isn't doing nothing for us, but I believe they were in Chicago this week. Chicago's definitely still way behind him. They're they're all for this. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something I appreciated because I want to be a fan of him. I, I, I want to look forward to him being the universal champion. So that one little moment there, I saw that, and I was like, maybe, maybe they still have hope.
0: Yeah, it, it was like a, a good uh, like reinforcement of like, all right, this is something that, that's good. Um, do we have any listener questions?
3: <clears throat> yes, we have a question from Don and the Lord and Lloyd, no relation. Okay. Do you think NXT UK should have gotten a pay-per-view of their own for Mania Weekend?
0: Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> not, no way. I don't know, What do you guys think? Um,
1: I don't think they should have got their own uh, pay per view, but yeah, I, I guess this is just you. Know, you know, they have the the good thing they're doing with the uh, you know the normal thing with the tag team championship. People that won the Dusty Rose Classics are, are getting a shot for it. The thing that's kind of annoying to me with that is like. I feel bad for Alistair Road and um, Alistair Road. Al- Alistair yeah. Road? <laughs> I, I'm putting the names together. A- Alistair Black and uh, Ricochet. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, you, you got those guys out there three days a week and it's like, you would think they should be winning the championships, but what's the point then? Then do we not see them on Raw and SmackDown or are they going to go to Raw and SmackDown now as NXT tag champions? I, You know, they really didn't have uh, a feud going for those titles. I would have almost liked to see – and I'm going to botch another name. uh, (laughs) War Raiders? Who's the tag champions right now? Is that their name there? Yeah. All right. I didn't know if I was saying the WWE name. Um, So I would have liked to see them versus the NXT uh, UK tag team champions. You know, get them on the show. Get them some notice because – I don't know the name of the tag team champions, but if you put them on the takeover, no n- over again, and get people more familiar with them, they definitely didn't need their own show. But I think they should have they should get some more of their um, their stars out on this takeover.
2: No, I think it makes more sense for NXT UK to just like have their separate thing, like NXT. Brooklyn needed that UK match. So for that, to take that, it wouldn't make no sense to have another title match on the NXT UK card. So hold off NXT UK for, what, two months? It's not that big of a deal. And at least Pete Dunne gets to perform in the biggest crowd possible.
3: Yeah, and and, um, I agree with prep. It's not a big deal at all. At least they're being represented. Pete Dunne's going to be there with the guy. He's going to be facing a guy, which I think is going to take the title from Pete Dunne, and that's making a bigger deal out of Walter. So, as long as they represent it, I think they're fine.
0: Walter made famous on this very show, like two months yes. ago, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> changed the whole trajectory of his career.
3: <laughs> yes, and he has. And Don has another request for a pash carpool, karaoke. Okay. Can Ron sing John Cena's Basic Thuganomics theme song? <laughs> um, Strong.
0: I could, I could definitely sing. Uh, Time is now. The old one. I don't know, and I don't even know what it sounds like to be honest with you. So I'd have to learn it, but I'd be willing to do it if if anyone really wanted me to. I Echo's really sing want you to, huh? Echo, sing it right now. Huh? <laughs> <singing> right now. <laughs> yeah, if you. <laughs> I, I would have no idea what it sounded like. That was like around the time that I was just like very resentful of WWE and like, eh, do I really need to be watching this stuff all the time anymore? Uh, but yes, Donovan, if it's something you really would love to hear me sing, I could learn it and I- I'm co-signing it. with Donovan. I really want this. <laughs> okay. All right. Don't let me forget about it, that I have to learn this. Um, and thank you for back-to-back requests. Uh A-Lo, what else do we have? Anything?
3: Yeah, we had a question from Phil. I'm not sure if this is an inside joke between <laughs> okay. you guys. I'm digging
0: for a question too. <laughs> uh, he,
3: we're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Do you put peanut butter on one side and jelly on the other, or do you put peanut butter on both sides and jelly in the middle?
1: One bread gets peanut butter, the other jelly, the other cheese, <laughs> the other jelly. Other piece of bread
0: <laughs> gets jelly. I'm in the same boat. And you with cut up ec- a banana and put it on it. Yeah, I do one half peanut butter, one half jelly. I go like ample amounts on both sides, but I don't, I don't do like the uh, like the Oreo with the peanut butter and jelly. Pratt, what do you do? You're
2: both wrong. <laughs> you
0: buy the goober that comes with both.
2: You Get up, the hell out of here! And Get, then the you hell out of
4: Get out of out. here!
2: Get out of here! No, Guys, it's too cheap. You buy the jelly separate <laughs> than the peanut butter. Just spend the extra thirty nine cents, buy the goober, mix it up. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, wait. I'm, is it either? Is that being cheap or is that being lazy? No, because the goober is more expensive. That's why it's cheap to but, buy. But the it's lazy. Way.
1: But it tastes better. No, it don't.
0: Well, Did well, you know Chris Benoit had
1: goober in his fridge? Each its own. <laughs> Yikes. I agree with
3: that. Well, well, well I, I, I know. Anyone it, using guys. Goober,
1: <laughs> they, they, need, they need their mind evaluated.
3: Well, I do it the black way, like Pash. Just <laughs> overload on what each do you side eat a of, smuckers? of each. <laughs> overload of peanut butter I bet you, butter, you overload eat, too.
0: I, bet you eat I bet you eat Jif too I do eat Jif <laughs> so do I <laughs> I think I have a container of Jif in my pantry right now yes me too <laughs> it's being black steak fast. yes it is um, Aloe what flavor jelly do you use um, strawberry great Concord he's a mark <laughs> Concord <laughs> No, I'm I'm a grape jelly guy myself. See,
3: there you go. <laughs> I
0: like grape jelly too. Um, Donovan, Philip, thank you for the questions. Sinners. I didn't realize the peanut butter and jelly was going to get heated there for a second. Um, all right, I have a few minutes, so Alo, I'm going to hit you with a stump. Alo, uh, I believe you already know what it is because I told you. Well, if we had time, we would do it. So. Let me get a, Get a second to Google this. Um, can you name the main event of every 2001 WWE pay-per-view? I haven't pulled it up yet, so give me one second to kind of catch up here. 2001 uh, past pay-per-view. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. But I had fun with this last week, so I figured why not do it again. All right, ALO. The 2001 WWE pay-per-views. Can you name every main event?
3: Yes. Uh, so the Royal Rumble was the Royal Rumble match. Mm-hmm. No Way Out was The Rock versus Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania was Rock and Austin. Mm-hmm. Backlash was Rock. I mean, Backlash was Triple H. And Austin against Undertaker and Kane. Yes. Judgment Day was oh hold on I skipped I skipped insurrection <laughs> insurrection was Undertaker versus Triple I H in
0: Austin.
3: Yes, Judgment Day was Triple H and not Triple H. Um, taker and Austin king of the ring was Benoit Jericho versus Austin mm-hmm. Invasion was the inaugural brawl mm-hmm. uh, um, Summerslam was rock versus Booker T. hmm Unforgiven angle Austin
4: mm-hmm.
3: no mercy angle RVD Austin Uh, Rebellion was The Rock in Austin Yes Uh, Survivor Series Winner Take All Elimination Match And uh, Stone If you want to count The Final Match for Vengeance That was Stone Cold and Jericho
0: Yes it was Alright so you got all of them Can you list the city for every pay per view In 2001
3: Uh, I think I might butcher the Rumble (laughs) Uh, Was the Rumble in New Orleans Yes Okay. 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 I'm good then. I'm clear (laughs) sailing. No way. I was in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mania was in the Astrodome in Houston. Mm -hmm. Backlash was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Judgment Day was damn. Uh, It was in some Sacramento. Yes. Uh, King of the Ring was in Jersey.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, Invasion was at the Gund Arena in Cleveland.
0: Yes, Gund. One of my favorites.
3: <laughs> SummerSlam. Oof. Ah. That wasn't in North Carolina, was it? Mm-hmm. I-, I might lose that one. <laughs> I'm almost positive I'll-, I'll lose that one. Um. Yeah, and Unforgiven that was in Pittsburgh. Yes. Um. No Mercy was in uh St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Survivor Series, Survivor Series was in North Carolina.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Insurrection was in England. Yep. And uh, vengeance was in San Diego. Yes. Do I don't want... remember, remember where. SummerSlam remember where
0: was in. All right. Uh, do you want me to tell you, or do you want me to give you a hint? Uh. I'll give you the arena, and if you can figure it out, I'll be very okay. impressed. Compact Center. With the queue. Yes. Like the computers. Mm-hmm.
3: That's not uh, not. Houston was the compact center, but it's not Houston. No. Houston did have a
0: compact center.
3: Yeah, that's
0: not Houston. Uh. One more hint. It was west of Houston. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um. Not in Dallas. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I give up. San Jose, California. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you got all of them except for one. You got all the main events. So, bravo, as always, on Stump Alo, Um Joel Embiid, two-game losing streak. If you want to get back on the right track, come and trust the process with Matt Madness. Uh, LeBron. No, 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 no. Well, all I'll say is he's got the whole summer off. He's got plenty <laughs> of time nope. to join us.
3: Uh check yeah, out make your sure to, <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure to post it on Instagram. Like yeah. a doctor, like
4: yeah, a therapist. Do
0: it. <laughs> check out the your boy Elroy every Friday if you're into MMA. Um we do talk wrestling this week because of
2: Cain Velasquez signing to AAA. <laughs> okay,
0: fair enough. Uh subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a five-star rating and review. Alo, would you like to move some merch?
3: Yes, what a net to embrace the madness.
0: All right, so for Ek2Fly, Eric Trembicki. For Preptagon Jr., Josh Prepagina. For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. For TJ Perkins, thank you for being a guest. I am Ron Pashery Jr., and we will see you next week. the
5: top rope, about to land
0: elbow.
1: Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand This is Superman, it's a summer Slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man Man, I hate my balls, Shut the Mr. McMahon It ain't safe to land, off the cell Fans love it, ain't hard to tell
4: Talking madness, awesome, well What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell